Well, I really appreciated uh, Pastor Mark's introduction tonight and in, an invitation to us. I really uh, count the words precious when he said, um, we are repenting and repenting and repenting and we are trusting and we are trusting and we are trusting. That is the Christian life. That's the heart of it is repentance and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight and you've not begun to do that, there'd be no better time than the night in which we believers proclaim his death to you. And we say, he's all our hope. He's all our trust. We repent every day. You can start tonight to do exactly what we've been doing, some of us, for, for many, many years. Turning from sin, trusting in Jesus. That's what we do. That's how we live. And it brings us great joy and great peace. Well, what I have for you tonight then, um, ever so briefly, is, is first a prayer of a mature believer that is very penetrating and I hope it will resonate with your hearts. He's a Puritan uh, from the Valley of Vision. And I want to show you what he goes through and what he arrives at. And then I want to reinforce it uh, with just several scriptures, just a brief devotional that I hope will, will, will prepare your heart to experience tremendous peace and joy around that table that you will carry out of that room. Don't let it get away from you. And enjoy that peace and that joy and that gladness that we know we have in Christ Jesus. Well, look at what he says. Be shocked from the very beginning of his repentance. Oh, Lord, bend my hands and cut them off. For I have often struck thee with a wayward will. When these fingers should embrace thee by faith. That's the first thing he says. Deep, deep repentance. I want to feel it. I, I, I know I'm as guilty. I'm guiltier than he is. He says, I am not yet weaned from all created glory, honor, and the esteem of others. For I have a secret motive. To I, my name, in all I do. Don't you feel that? Don't you know that that's true of you? To a greater or lesser degree, so much of what we do is all about us. And all about someone else's approval and applause and thanksgiving and recognition. Isn't that in you? I tell you, dear sheep, it's in me. I hate it. Let me not only speak the word sin, but see the thing itself. Give me to view a discovered sinfulness to know what my sins are, to know that my sins are crucified. They are never wholly mortified. 
That's his lament. That's the struggle. That's the fight. All of us who are Christians know that all of our, all of our sins are paid for. They all are. But there's a sense in which we want more than that. We want them to be mortified. We want them to be put to death. We don't want to practice them. That's one of the greatest things of heaven that we look forward to. Outside of seeing the face of Jesus, we look forward to being free from our sins. Totally free. Never to think of anything. Never to do anything. Anything sinful whatsoever. Have zero inclination towards sin. If we could have it now, we would take it. We would say... Give it to me now. But God is more glorified now by us fighting it and being at war with it. And and the Lord's Supper nerves us for that. To know what He has done for us. He has put it to death. He's given us the ultimate victory. We're going to have it. We can't miss it. We can't lose it. And, and, And that is what will make us to fight against the idolatries that Tim Keller has made a list for us in our care groups. Those idolatries of of approval and pleasure and comfort and and all those other things of, of, of power and prestige and all the things that get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. He says for him it's hatred. Malice, ill will, vain glory that hungers for and hunts after man's approval and applause are crucified, forgiven, but they rise again in my sinful heart. Oh, my crucified but not wholly mortified sinfulness. Oh, my lifelong damage and daily shame. And and here's his prayer then. Destroy, oh God, the dark guest within. Nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ will destroy it. And it's here that that he turns the corner. It's here that he sees... He sees Jesus and he says, yet thou hast not left us here without grace. The cross still stands and meets my needs in the deepest straits of my soul. I thank thee that my remembrance of it is like David's sight of Goliath's sword, which preach forth thy deliverance. You know, every time David got to see the sword. You, you, you know he asked for it when he was in Dothan, and he got it. Every time he saw it, it preached to him that, that God blessed him and empowered him to slay a giant, not with a sword, but with stones in, in, in a sling. The memory of my great sins, my many temptations, my falls bring afresh into my mind the remembrance of thy great support from heaven, of the great grace that saved such a wretch as I am. There is no treasure so wonderful as that continuous experience of thy grace towards me, which alone can subdue 
the rising sin within. And then here's his final prayer. It's our prayer too. Give me more of it. That's what we want. We want more grace. We want more grace tonight. Peace. Peace, people of God. Peace, sheep of God's fold. Peace. Peace to you. Peace in you. Peace between you and God. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The same fullness that dwelt in the temple. The smoke that filled it. That filled it to capacity. Christ is full of God. To the extreme limit. Limitlessly. He is full of God. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things. There is, is the now and the not yet. Now, right now, he's reconciling sinners to himself. In the future, he'll continue to do that. And finally, he will reconcile all of his people to himself. And he will impose peace upon the earth. Total and exhausting, prevailing, dominating peace. Because he will remove every enemy from it. And this will be a part of what heaven is all about. How does he do that? He says, whether on things on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's what we partake of tonight. His life, his death, his blood. That's what brings this peace, this universal peace, this sure peace, lasting peace, forever peace, incalculable, valuable peace. It goes on to say that of, uh, Paul says that in you and you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, that was our condition. We know that. A dead man can do nothing to save himself. That's how we were in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Look what God did. God made us alive. How did he do it? He did it together with Christ. He joined us to Christ. We couldn't join ourselves to him. But we were with him. We were joined to him by his divine will and all of his redemptive acts. So that when he died, we died with him. And when he rose, we rose with him. And when we ascended, we are as good as in heaven right next to him. But God did all of that. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses because of what Jesus did. By canceling the record of the debt that stood against us. With its legal demands. We have a list of sins. A huge papyrus roll of sins that seem limitless to us. All the things that we have done wrong and all the things that we have failed to do. And all the legal demands that are placed upon that that condemn us. What happened to that? 
What did he do with that? He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. That's where your sins went. That's where the document went. It was pressed upon Jesus Christ and it was nailed to the cross. And the payment was made there completely. There's no sin that Jesus didn't pay for the long, long list, a mile long. Mine is 50,000 miles long. Nailed it to the cross. And he put them to open shame. These rulers and authority, all the demons that would accuse you and accuse you righteously if they could do something right, accurately. And say what a terrible sinner you are. And what you've done. And how many commandments you've broken over and over and over and over and over and over again. They got us. It's nailed to the cross. And they are shamed. Altogether shamed. They got nothing to say about us. He triumphed over them. So when Jesus came to speak to his disciples. After he had risen from the dead. And, and, and they had totally abandoned him. They left him. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, Sunday, the doors being locked. Why were they locked? The disciples were for fear of the Jews. They're in a room. They're trembling. They've, they've lost their champion, their captain, their leader, their teacher. They've lost him and they don't know what to do. They're not believing. They, they didn't believe what he told them. He, he said, I will rise. I'll see you in Jerusalem. They didn't believe it. They wouldn't have been afraid. Trembling in there. Jesus, with his supernatural power, came and stood among them said to them, Peace, peace be to you. That's what he says. He's going to say it again. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. Their fear, their trembling, turned to gladness and joy. Why? Because of his hands and his side and his feet and his forehead and his back and everything else that was emblematic of his crucifixion. So he says it again. Peace be to you. And he tells them and he tells us and he tells every Christian what he wants done. Because of his hands, his feet, and his side, and his forehead, and his back. And, and the secret sufferings of the wrath of God, which we cannot calculate. He says, as the Father has sent me, in the same way that he has sent me, even so, I am sending you. That's the message we have. The message of joy, of forgiveness, of a better life. Of the best life. of a, That's the message we bear. That's the life we have. We've got to share it. He sends us. So Isaiah says. Here's our last passage. And this is what we want to do around the table. And this is what we want to do every day. Isaiah says. You keep him in perfect peace. 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Alleluia. Let's pray for a moment then, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this uh, uh, sighting of true religion, true repentance, true trust, a real and living Savior, for, uh, for the experience of true peace, peace in our hearts and peace with you. We thank you for these things. May we contemplate them uh, tonight in a very, very special way. May we try hard and with intention and purpose to think on Jesus, to think of the gospel, to think of his sufferings, and, and, and to proclaim it by the way we sing and pray and think about it and share about it. We ask it. We ask it all for the glory of Jesus. Give us, give us more grace, oh God. More grace, we pray. Amen. Would you please take a hymnal with you tonight?